What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another Namaste. So today on the podcast, I have Peter Huang. He is a director, writer extraordinaire who has created a number of big known music videos and worked with huge known artists such as Drake, Rihanna, um, Jesse Reyes, uh, Reyes. I said that wrong again. <laughs> Peter was just coaching me, which is pretty hilarious. You Jesse can get my name right, Reyes. but you can't get Reyes. You know. <laughs> I'm a very complicated person. That's fine. <laughs> so, and uh, he's also worked with Coleman Hell, who um, is the artist that I worked with. And that's how Peter and I became friends on the set of the Fireproof music video. And then we did a couple other music videos together. And he's also been nominated and won numerous awards, like for the Junos. He went to the Sundance Film Festival. And um, just recently went on tour with the artist Sunreal, which mm -hmm. is pretty cool. So you're also a guitarist. What don't you do? That's pretty awesome. A lot of things. Okay. Name <laughs> one that I don't know of that you would like to do that you don't do so far. Uh, I would like to drum better. Oh. Yeah. So you do drum, but you want to drum better. From rock band. And also, like, when you just spend enough time playing in bands, you know kind of the basics of drumming. Rock but band. But I would like to drum better. Rock band, like, the, the video yeah, game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I awesome. would like to speak <laughs> Spanish fluently. I would like to improve my French a lot. Oh, do you ever do Duolingo? Yeah, I actually finished the Spanish tree, which really only gets you to, like, low intermediate level Spanish. M my brother also did that, actually. He yeah. finished all of Spanish, and he said he, he, he went to Mexico, like, right after, and he said it was okay, but it didn't really help him yeah. that much because he didn't have people to, to talk Spanish too as he was yeah. learning it I find yeah. that I think that's the only problem with Duolingo I'm learning French right now so that's why I asked ah. and I love it but the reason I think I'm doing well is because I have someone who's also learning it and mm -hmm. we were bouncing off each other and trying to correct each other when we're wrong you know and we're yeah. practicing out loud as opposed to just working on the app yeah you like need that's, to practice for sure yeah I actually yeah. think that the amount of time that you spend or people spend on Duolingo it gives you good like a basics for the for the language right but it's going to be much easier to just learn by practicing speaking right so i might actually just end up uh, I, I found something on kijiji for like 25 dollars an hour uh, you can uh, find oh private really? tutors on kijiji which is cheaper than going to a class and they can work around your schedule if you travel a lot oh that's way better yeah that, one that of my friends does that in spain she teaches english in spain and just people meet up in cafes and you talk for an hour really and then she has like lesson plans and stuff too and oh. it starts off very simply like what did you do on the weekend? Huh. And then they start talking. She's like, in English. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, that's cool. That's really good to know because I've um, been looking into actually taking a class at Ryerson, but they're like $500. Yeah. Yeah. Ain't yeah. nobody got that kind of like extra. Well, yeah. I mean, it does add up, like, right? Yeah, yeah. It's I think expensive. I think like an hourly, uh, I think a class in terms of the number of hours that you get is probably close to $25 an hour, if I'm oh, not okay. mistaken. But okay. at the very least, like you can get a private tutor. So private tutoring is always more expensive. Right. But if you find somebody on Kijiji, they're like not working out of a firm and they get that money directly. And it's good money for a lot of them. But it's also, you know, one to one, right? In a class, there's yeah, many different people, like, right? Yeah, so we you're would getting... just be talking at whatever level that you yeah. need. So it'll be a lot better. So that, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You would learn probably a lot quicker for yeah. sure. Yeah, I'm trying to cool. figure out. Uh, whether or not I want to do French or Spanish private tutoring because I don't know which one I want to improve. You should do French so then we can talk to each other and be French buddies. That would be cool. Yeah. And then, and then I think the other thing is then you can uh, work in Montreal, which okay. would be really nice too. Ah. Um, uh, but Spanish is just like way more functional, I find. You can, it's everywhere. I've spent enough time in Spain that I should know it. 
Um, and, and yeah, I don't know. I'm definitely also like trying to improve my Mandarin cause I can't read that well. That's cool. So Duolingo is working for Mandarin cause it's a lot of like reading work. Yeah. So that's amazing for it, but I can speak Mandarin already. So that's helpful. I, te- I attempted at trying Mandarin for it's like hard. one second. Oh, Mandarin. on Duolingo? <laughs> it's, I was like, this program looks real difficult, but this, there's nothing so easy about It's so hard, Mandarin. man. Yeah. So like, yeah, no, I, I gave up, but Yeehaw. possibly in the future. <laughs> I'm not even going to <laughs> attempt, Peter. Not even. <laughs> well, right. gao xing. <laughs> what does that Nina? mean? That's like, that's like the first or the second lesson that you learn, which is I'm very happy. Okay. How about you? Oh. Gao xing. Nina. <laughs> and I was like, every single time. I've heard that so many times on Duolingo now. <laughs> <laughs> I love how it, there's like a rhythm to it. It sounds really pretty when you say it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm pronunciating. Uh, like, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> we're off topic. But yeah, this, yeah. I suppose, leads into the conversation of yeah, how to achieve I mean, things. For sure. Well, I was, I mean, you definitely have already, the, later on, I want to talk to you about something else, but the, you've definitely already showed me that you have a characteristic that I think a lot of entrepreneurs seem to have where they're always constantly trying to improve themselves. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I've talked to many different entrepreneurs over the year, and, and I think the constant theme is that they're never quite satisfied where they are. Yeah. Do you ever feel that way? Do you ever feel that you, you yeah. just need to keep improving? Yeah. I yeah. think that's a very constant thing. Yeah. I think it helps that I, uh, uh, I get really run down if I don't mm. feel like I've accomplished anything. Yeah. And even just yesterday, um, if, if I'm not achieving something during the day, like I feel really shitty about it. Yeah. So like this morning I got up at like six and then I just did Duolingo Mandarin for like 15 minutes. And then you felt better. And then I started, you know, writing a screenplay and then I felt better. Awesome. But it, at the very least, it's, I think it's really easy first thing in the morning, I find, to wake up and then you get your coffee and then you start reading things, whether you want to look at Instagram or, mm-hmm. you know, New York Times or whatever, or, you know, whatever, TMZ, I don't know what people <laughs> are into. But it, you can travel down a hole really quickly. Right. And then before you know it, you've been entertaining yourself for an hour and a half. Yeah. And I think the most creative part of the day at least for me is in the morning when nobody's really up and my emails don't start filtering into like 10 30 or 11 right when everyone else gets going so i need to have that time to to create things otherwise i don't uh I, i'm certainly not going to do it in the afternoon right yeah, yeah i'm like that too i can't after it's maybe one o'clock i'm not really into working as hard anymore it's, it's yeah. I, I have to wake up maybe at 7 a.m from 7 to about 11 that's my core focusing on my you know, all my creative shit. That's good. It's a good schedule. Um, I think Stephen King is very similar. His book on writing, he talks about how he only writes four hours a day, but in those four hours, he absolutely must write 3000 words and he doesn't even think about it. He just goes and then does 3000 words. And then he says that's about as much time as it takes. And then at which Mm. point he doesn't stress about continuing. He puts it away for the next day Mm. and he just does it every single day, like Monday Mm. to Sunday. Oh, wow. Well, I think everyone probably has like a standard of when they feel slightly accomplished for the day, right? Yeah. And um, I've thought about it and, you know, I think entrepreneurs are very like that where they feel like they need to constantly improve themselves. But I I think maybe they're just also more aware of it. I think maybe as humans, I think we all constantly need to be pushing ourselves to achieve something every single day. And I think it's a human, um, like everyone will, will feel 
crappy about themselves if they're just on their phones and and, and numbing out their brains the entire day you know I feel mm-hmm. I feel like most people feel that but they don't necessarily know how to communicate it or really understand that feeling yeah. you know I think generally from my experience their entrepreneurs are just more aware of it that's all yeah so I think yeah. uh, you know I would actually recommend a book if you haven't read it or you're oh yeah go for it what is it? it there's a great book called the slight edge okay it's by Jeff Olson. I no, believe. I haven't read it. Um, I've heard of him though. It's a really, really good book about how to succeed. Because I think um, growing up, we always get these messages about like talent, creativity, mm-hmm. uh, like being exceptional. Mm-hmm. But the stories don't focus on work. They focus on like the success stories. And huh. so people look at it as in, in terms of like, well, this person grew up and then was just so talented that they were Michael Jackson or whatever. Right. Yeah, no. Or the Beatles, right? Yeah. But the slight edge actually breaks it down very similarly to Malcolm Gladwell's like 10,000 hour theory that everyone seems to know. Yeah, you know I one? you know I I know of it. I just haven't looked yeah. into well, it. Well, that's so. I I mean, I don't think that's it's his thing, yeah. theory. It, uh, he popularized it in his book called uh, The Tipping Point, the success book. Right. Um but the slight edge is a book that really just breaks down how to work okay and it's a really simple concept which is that like just by doing something you it gives you the slight edge over the rest of the population Hmm. so the example is is like you know if you want to for example because they talk about finances too if you want to save up and then become like a millionaire if you want to save up for a house in toronto for example which is not an easy thing to do oh my god you don't no. magically <laughs> fall into that money right right mm-hmm. you can actually just set a goal to be like i'm going to save a thousand dollars every month and then put it away in a bank account and that's the slight edge that you get over the general population right and okay. that's the slight the little thing that you do every single day or every single month adds up to a greater thing and the the results are actually exponential hmm. they don't it's not like a f- a flat line and, and they break it down in the book that the curve uh, exponentially gets higher. Hmm. So you start a little bit now and then it gets easier and then becomes a habit and then you don't think about it and then you become really good at it. And then if you keep doing it, then you're actually just really good at it. Right. So hmm. that's I if, if anyone's going to read anything, it's the slight edge. Okay. But but on the flip side of that, it can really stress you out when you are <laughs> like, oh, anything. no, I should have done this today. I should right. have done that today. Yeah. So there's kind of like an inner balance to not kill yourself, but also have that in mind as well. And so I think if you can, you know, if you can read the book and at least develop a reasonable level of like healthy habits, you'll be fine. Right. Uh, and that's the same thing with language. A lot of people are like, I want to speak Mandarin or I want to speak French. And it's not like you just, I, maybe people have the dream that one day they're just going to get a job in Paris and then they're going to be fucking French. Yeah. <laughs> but no, the, the more, the case is more likely that you are going to go get a private tutor. Right. And then you're going to do it consistently every week. And you week. probably study it for maybe two, three years and then you go to France. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then you go to and France and then you're like, oh, okay, now I learned yeah. colloquialism and all that stuff. Yeah. There's certain things that you just can't. The thing is out. though, I think also society, I've talked about this in maybe one other of my podcasts is that I think society unfortunately makes it seem that people just like, instantly get rich or instantly get famous or instantly are Mm -hmm. talented and it's just that's I think that's sort of the problem is yeah what you were saying how people are missing the working hard part yeah (laughs) and Instagram unfortunately as much as I love the app I do think that you know a lot of people think that 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 someone just came out of the blue and they were suddenly successful and they they don't really know like what it took to get there yeah you know and 
Like, for example, um, recently I started doing live streams on Instagram. And I had a couple of people come up to me and say, oh, you're so good at live streaming. Mm. You know, that, that how did you how did you get so good at it? Or, you know, like I just well, actually, no, they actually didn't ask me how I got good at it. Yeah. What I said was, oh, well, I was on this app called Peaks for two years and I live streamed every single day. Yeah. So now you, you didn't watch me on there and you didn't see me progress. Yeah. Now I'm just going on Instagram and I look like a pro, but it's because I have two years of being on every single day on this this yeah. app with an audience right so yeah so anyways i think a lot of people just don't know the behind the scenes of what yeah. what take what takes to get a person from a to b and um nothing i don't think anything happens overnight i think everybody there's always there's always something that that's uh, that someone has to to give up and they always have to work you know really hard to get yeah. to where and they are yeah and it's funny that you mentioned that because like part of live streaming is like talking and chatting and like being charming right mm. and so i think a lot of people also think that if they're not charming then you they're just not a charming person right but that's also a skill that's learned as well and people kind of forget that there's something called toastmasters that people just do public speaking right yes so uh, you can really work and and learn anything right and that's really just whatever you were lacking as a child for example <laughs> is is harder to learn as an adult but it is learnable right and i think it's really rewarding to to try to learn all of these things right yeah cool all right so uh another question i wanted mm. to ask you is have you always known that you wanted to be a creator or a director like do you have did you have like a pivotal mo pivotal pivotal <laughs> pivotal moment in your life where you just thought ah yes i want to make movies i want to make uh yeah the movie thing kind of came later um originally i wanted to be a musician and i was a musician like i played piano for a long time oh that's right i remember you telling yeah. me this. yeah my that's parents cool. were um they forced me into classical piano okay and at the time i didn't like it at first and then uh they made or like I quit and then <laughs> at the age of like seven I wanted to go back into it okay. and that was like probably the best decision that I ever made and then I eventually like wanted to start playing in bands because I thought it would be more fun to play music and it would make me cool yeah man I mean all the girls will big, like yeah <laughs> it's a big yeah part of everything that you do in middle school for and high sure. school for uh sure. never mind the musical aspects of it right <laughs> um Nobody's thinking about that. that no, much. of course not. <laughs> and so uh, my parents didn't want to buy me a guitar. So I bought a guitar with the birthday money that I got. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, and then I just like taught myself and then I started playing in bands and then I wanted to like go on tour and do all those things. But then like at the time, I think, you know, I needed to go somewhere for university and I almost really, really, really almost went into engineering. Um, but I thought I would end up hating my life cause I would just be in an office all day. Right. And I've like, ever since I've been a kid, I've always had to run around outside all the time. Mm -hmm. And so like every single night I would go out and like play basketball and, and the thought of sitting in an office all day, like really killed me. Yeah. So, um, I, th I went into film with the thought that it would make more money than music, <laughs> right? which yeah. is actually wrong you, what <laughs> it's, no I, it's partially wrong because i I, it, I remember like while this was happening one of my friends started djing here in the city hmm. and he said move to toronto and come dj and make electronic music with me and i promise you it'll make more money than film and this is in 2000 and Oh, this must have been 2009. Okay, but then at, in, so, in that day and age, it wasn't as saturated as it is no, now, right? No, but if we pursued it, right. 
and he's like classically trained and I'm classically trained. And I was like, if we pursued it, we, he might've actually been right. And he actually turned out to be right. But it just so happens that I kept doing the film thing. And then instead of like making music, I was like, or instead of like making the Avicii stuff, I was making the videos for the Avicii stuff. Right. So, um, yeah, it's funny that the paths just kind of like weirdly overlapped. Hmm. And then regardless, I ended up going on tour with Sunreal. So it worked out anyway. Yeah, man. Okay, but talk- to be very honest, it really doesn't pay as well as film. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm like, what? No. <laughs> yeah. But if you're if you're a well-known DJ, they make like stupid buttloads of money. Really? They, don't, they bring in tons of money from festivals. And then at the same time, they don't have to pay for like as much tour right. stuff, gear, equipment, band members. It's a dude with some CDs or yeah. a USB stick. Right. So yeah, that's not that much. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever watch um <laughs> slightly off topic, but DJ Khaled's like videos with no. his with his wife and I've, his kid? I've heard, but I don't watch So them. funny. <laughs> he's yeah, I mean he's very good at making a brand name out of himself. Oh yeah, man. Yeah, yeah he's he's made himself into a little bit of a legend right now. Like everybody talks about him and he's just he's hilarious. He's the know? keys to success guy, yeah. right? He's just very uh, positive. Is yeah. that his thing? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. He's super positive and he, he talks to his kid. He's like you are intelligent, you are a warrior, you're a king. <laughs> but in his accent, obviously, I can't do mm, it. Mm-hmm. It's definitely not how he speaks, but it's pretty funny anyway. I had a different upbringing. I had Chinese parents, so um, <laughs> it was more like, if you don't do better, you're going to be a garbage man, and oh my nobody God. will want you. Shut up. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, <laughs> both paths seem to work, apparently. Well, we'll see how teenage... Uh, how I mean, I think it depends on the the person. Actually, another employee in the office, she's also Chinese, and she was telling me the other day that um, one time when she got her report card, her her parents said to her, you know, you've got to do better. And she's like, I can't do better than 100%. (laughs) (laughs) There's always room to be improved in Chinese households. I suppose (laughs) that if we are getting to, like, why I work a lot, it's probably ingrained in the Hmm. upbringing, which I think says a lot. there are like, uh, <laughs> I don't mean to sound disparaging, but like, you know, there is the opinion in some like Chinese parent circles that white kids are super spoiled because they can just do whatever they want and right. they have no discipline, <laughs> which, you know, is good for creativity, but I find it uh, kind no, of You know what? No, Peter, I would have to slightly agree okay. with you on this, but I think the only reason that I am the way that I am is because... I was put in sport. I was a competitive dancer my yeah. whole life. And so that gave me the discipline to stay focused on the things that I want. Yeah. But if I wasn't, if, if I, you know, my mom gave me a lot of freedom and I bless her and I love her for it. But I, I definitely think that my brother has struggled with discipline a lot of his life. Right. He's, he, now that he's older, I think he's actually, he doesn't struggle so much with it anymore. But I think he struggled with it a little bit more than I did because he just didn't have as much structure. Yeah. You know? But also I didn't, we didn't have a father figure around and I do think that that helps for boys you know yeah um, yeah yeah you know, totally specifically as well right so of course yeah so anyways i would have to slightly agree with you on that i do think that is that is true and also from my experience of other families that i've witnessed and some of these kids and they just have yeah way too much freedom and all of them have ipads is that do do are chinese families like that i don't know if you nowadays have any cousins. Do uh they have- well i mean china chinese families are really different now like in the late 80s and 90s when i grew up Mm. all the chinese immigrants here were actually like basically the sons and daughters of um 
uh, academics or doctors or people who have come over to study. Like there was really stringent uh, immigration requirements. It was really hard to get here in Canada. So most people came over as like academics and then got a residency that way. Gotcha. I think it was next to impossible for people to come through from a communist country into a Western world for any type of real work not Mm. and and the other thing being that the chinese government wouldn't let them leave either that's actually still an issue today that if you're a really key member of like you know a a chinese ministry or like a high-end job that has some sort of association with the chinese government they don't really let you leave because they don't want any sort of brain drain out of the country so brain drain yeah that's, That's a uh, really I mean, we have that idea. in Canada, actually. The brain drain exists here in Canada. I've never heard of this before. Really? Like this. Oh, yeah. it was a big thing in the mid-90s, too, because so Canadian wages couldn't compete with American wages. Okay. So Canadian people, like most of my engineering friends, uh, like work at, the smartest ones work at Google and Apple down in, in California. Right. Right, because they get paid more. Right. And so the idea is that the most brilliant people leave and then go down to the States and in film, that's mm-hmm. definitely true. And mm-hmm. I cannot wait to go to America. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So that I can get paid more. <laughs> wait, are you a New York person or an LA person? Uh, to be very honest, I um, I would I, I like both of them a lot, but for work specifically, LA. Okay. New York is cool though. But New York's yeah, New York's more theater, right? In, for yeah, New York's theater. They have uh, SNL. They have a lot of good oh, yeah. comedy, like really, really good comedy. Good talk shows. And yeah, <laughs> good talk shows. Uh, uh, the, um, uh, whatchamacallit, the film industry, they're small. It's mm-hmm. more indie. Okay. Uh, it's really, really independent. So there's like a really thriving New York film scene right now. Gotcha. But it's like a small, very liberal leaning, very independent and like do it yourself and tell stories that like LA doesn't want to tell. And right. LA is like money in Hollywood and... There is an indie scene there, but people are more realistic about what people want to watch. Right. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, Wow. I had so many questions that just came out of that, but I don't even know where to start. I think I'm going to go back to um, one of the things I was very interested in in is I've watched a couple of your films and obviously I was in three of the music videos. I had the pleasure. They were awesome guys. If you haven't watched them, the Coleman Hell Fireproof video, and then we have the Sunreal uh, first time no warm up video uh-huh. and then what was the other one hot air balloon that hot was the other yep. um, video that I was in so check it out guys <laughs> star <laughs> but anyways um, what I'm curious about is you know when I was on those sets I I, I was kind of mind blown on how creative just the, the ideas for them were and I'm just I'm intrigued as to what inspires you to create the things that you do uh, that is a good question um, I think at a certain point, like, uh, whatever it is that you're doing, you just have to kind of trust in what you want to see. Hmm. And that is both a double edged sword because maybe you have terrible taste right? and <laughs> nobody wants to watch anything that you make. Right. Um, but I think that the, the idea of, of creativity is really just sort of like a weird mix of like whatever it is that you've seen throughout your life or heard throughout your life. This is same with musicians too. Mm -hmm. All you can really judge is sort of like what you like. Right. And so if you can actually, uh, this creative struggle is sort of like you have an idea of what you like 
And then for a long time, you struggle to make something that's even remotely similar to it. Mm -hmm. And then you get a little bit better at it. And then you start making things that are closer to what you like. Mm -hmm. And then eventually, hopefully, you kind of like get somewhere where you are now uh, uh, skilled enough at your job that you can bring what it is that you see to light and that other people kind of like find it entertaining. But really like creativity just kind of comes down to what do you think will be cool and what do you think will be good? And I think like a lot of directors and writers at least go through a thing where they'll get really popular off of like one or two really good videos Hmm. and then they get tripped up. I mean, I know this happened to me. They get tripped up and then they start overthinking it because then they see like what is considered good And then they almost try to like warp themselves into a trend or they want to try something new. But then it takes a little bit of time to kind of regain your confidence in the fact that like whatever you think of, if you think it's cool, you can probably try to do it. Right. Um, And so if you can get past the idea of like um, pleasing other people, Mm. but still being self-aware enough to know how to push creativity then I think that's where it lies. And okay. it's kind of a vague answer because like creativity is kind of hard because it changes from person to person. Like right. how you would, if if you were a director and I was a director and we were given the exact same script, okay, you would shoot it totally differently. And the words would be the same, but I think everything else would be totally different because right. it's all based on what you've seen and what you've known in your life. And it's all based on what right. I've your seen and what I've known in my life. Yeah, right? So sure. that's the element that you can't control. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, when I reflect on like the Harry Potter films, you know, I don't know if you know, did you watch any of those films? Um, yeah. I think yeah. I've seen all of them. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So it, throughout the, the, you know, the seven or eight movies, I guess, because the two part series, they had multiple different directors. Yeah. And everybody was obsessed with Christopher Columbus. He did the first two films. Yeah. And, and, See, I think he made the films very much like the books and how I think a majority of people see it. Yeah. Right. But then there are some people that say, oh, they don't like those ones. And they like the third and fourth, which in my opinion, I think are horrible. And (laughs) that's you. You like those ones? I I do not like the Christopher Columbus ones. No, I love him. (laughs) See, do you not like do you do you not like his style as a director? Because he's a lot of his films are very like light fluffy like stepmom <laughs> yeah totally Just kind of kind of edging on chick flicks a lot of his stuff so, yeah and like, i think he's very um broad yeah and oh, oh well actually no he did home alone i can't say that yeah he, he did, did home alone I it's forgot very that. it's very yeah. broad yeah it as is well. quite broad You're um right. and i mean but it was different right because at the time harry potter were children's films right and then they become young adult films yes that's right? that is what and happened, so the tone yeah. changes and so the idea of changing directors and style was very smart um, and I like them more just because they have more weight to it. Although Chambers, uh, Chamber of Secrets like um, was quite good. I didn't, you know, I didn't have a problem with one and two. Mm-hmm. But I definitely remember because I started watching at four, like when four was coming out into theaters. Oh, okay. And it got like really good reviews. And I was like, okay, four I should watch that. Four I thought them. was horrible. <laughs> it <laughs> that's, did, that's too bad. It, that's actually not true. It did not get good reviews. It got great reviews. No, it didn't, it Peter. Did. I remember when on, it came out. On Rotten Tomatoes, okay, well, it that's, was like I never 90 something percent. Never. So no. critically, it was incredibly <laughs> acclaimed. Yeah, because the graphics, the, the, the just, yeah, the movie as a whole was beautifully shot. The graphics were amazing. 
amazing. Like yeah. if you take it as a whole, but we're talking about like the storyline was just the writing of that film was absolutely dreadful. Like I, the 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 character Hermione, the the actress uh, who plays Hermione Granger, what's her name? Emma Watson. Yeah. She she did not even seem remotely the same between the first three films and then the films afterwards. Like it's, it's almost like her as an actress was struggling to say some of the lines because the lines were like, just as a viewer, I think the lines were completely out of character for her. And, right. and, and I, and I do think there was a, there's a lot of lines for a lot of the characters that were very out of character. Yeah. And like, I remember Dumbledore, <laughs> one of the scenes I'm getting so far into this. Yeah. I'm so passionate about Harry Potter literally runs down to Harry and he, like almost chokes him and he's like did you put your name in the goblet of fire and like first off Dumbledore doesn't have that kind of energy (laughs) (laughs) he's an old man and he's very like soft-spoken and it just it just it was just weird there was just a lot of weirdness in that film in terms of storyline and and right yeah and the way that it was yeah I mean I didn't read the books right so I think that's that's maybe yeah so I also have that perspective yeah you're right, you're right. It's hard. And <laughs> this actually kind of brings me back to creativity because the troublesome part about books to movie adaptations mm. is that every single reader is like directing the movie version in their mind. And so when they have to watch somebody else's interpretation, mm. that's actually where the whole creativity thing kind of comes from is like mm. the idea that like what you're seeing is right to you. And mm. then this director sees it in his way and it doesn't match up. And right. then everyone is like generally of the opinion that their version was better. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so maybe that's the case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right. Well, going back to when you were talking about sometimes you will, you, you've had blocks in the past, maybe creative blocks. And uh, maybe because when you said that you uh, had some success and then you were very hard on yourself. So I'm just curious how you deal with that do you have a sort of ritual that you do to maybe get yourself back into the creative zone or is there something that helps you just calm yourself and get you relaxed so that you can you know create stuff ground ground yourself and create stuff yeah exactly uh it's really just it's like it's a matter of discipline you know right um i early on you know, when I graduated from film school, there was the idea that like, I don't feel like writing or I don't feel like this or whatever. Mm. But, um, honestly, it's just a slog. Like some days it comes easy, but some other days you're basically grinding and like putting a shovel into a ground and then lifting coals and (laughs) throwing it into a truck. Right. Is the (laughs) equivalent that I can say about it. You just have to like, it's not, it's not, you know, writing in terms of like entertaining yourself which sometimes is the case I mean those are good days but a lot of times it's really just slogging through it Mm -hmm. uh, because it's work right if it was easy and if it was um fun then I think we would have a lot of very successful writers right uh, or directors right but it's not you know um most people don't want to sit there and then write 120 pages right only to rewrite it like 35 more times. Right. You should ask my friend Chris Pare how he feels about the Code 8 rewrites. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> and that's like, and that's just one of those things where it, it is work. Right. So it, if if you do feel like that on a writing level, that whatever you're writing isn't coming out properly, hmm. then the best advice I can give is think of the next exciting thing in the story and then just write that. 
Okay. And then you can either fill in the gap, which is something I do a lot. I write the next exciting thing and then I find a way to get from one way to the other the fastest. Right. Sometimes you don't even need it. The reason why it wasn't working was because it was actually like not necessary. Right. Yeah. I think um, the trap that a lot of people think, oh, when you're working your dream job, you're just always happy and like it's an, and suddenly it's not work anymore. But I mean, you're working your dream job like you're you're still you're you're still working regardless. Like if it's not like you're sitting on a beach and like drinking a martini for your entire life, you're doing work. So um, you you just you just made the conscious choice to pick a job that will bring you slightly more joy than being at an office yeah. nine to five. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, and, and joy is 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 one thing, but I think mm-hmm. it gives you more like, uh, experience, a better sense of adventure. It brings enough right. like difference to your life right. and variation that I think that's what you get out of it. Right. Um, cause it's like the office job might be comfortable and it's familiar and film might be very insecure and crazy. Yeah. And sometimes very trying and very hard on people. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, at least, uh, from a creative standpoint, you're kind of more reliant on yourself and uh as a result some people take it very very personally and that's mm. something that you have to like if you want to be a creative person you have to accept the fact that all some things you might take very personally right and people in an office like they don't necessarily have that hmm. sometimes they get like feedback like work feedback and they're like well fuck my boss or like <laughs> okay that was fine yeah. but you know yeah. like my friend jesse is getting that every day and really it's hard. Hmm. Yeah. people say all sorts of shit to yeah you. And uh, you saw that review I posted of my film, do you? Oh, uh, maybe. Some, uh, there was a review that was posted on my film. It's like the most well well liked review of five films, the short. Oh yes, yeah, in uh, twenty thirteen. Like, oh yeah. I can't yeah. believe that it was directed by a thirty two year old man. Oh, he said, "Wow." It was the wow. most amateur thing ever. Uh, and uh, oh no, I haven't read this. Oh, no, sorry. Funny. No, I th- I thought this was a, a positive review. No, no let me let no, me no, find no. it. I'm gonna read all right, it out loud. Let's hear it. <laughs> I'm sorry if this is off topic. No, no, not at all. Um, I mean, I certainly struggle with this. Uh, you know, on a daily basis, I'm on a live show, and and people yeah. critique you, and people are like, "Ah, oh, she's so annoying." But but on, that's what you put yourself out towards, right? Yeah. I um generally you should just ignore it. Yeah. Listeners of this podcast, <laughs> but I'm gonna read this one. Yeah. <clears throat> Five films about technology. Half a star. Oh, wow. This was so excruciatingly amateur that I was convinced that it was made by a high schooler. So I looked the director up to see if he, like, won a contest or something. But <laughs> no, he's a 31-year-old man. So there's truly no excuse for its superficiality. Wow. Uh, and that's quit pretty funny to me, actually. Like, I think she wrote it pretty well. Um, but yeah, that's like stuff that you just kind of have to deal with on a regular basis. Yeah. yeah. You have to like fluff it off and just not let anyone. Yeah. Everyone's yeah. going to like a lot of people are going to hate a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. I think I can't remember who said this. I, I've lost well, it. I've heard it a number of times over my life. And even I remember Avril Lavigne saying this. She said if a, in a in a crowd of 100 people, if 10 people like me, then I'm satisfied because yeah. you'll just never let anyone uh, yeah yeah you never make everybody like you because everybody everybody's rubbed in a different way and you yeah and there's many different sides to your personality and this is actually something that I'm currently working on because I'm trying to put myself out there a lot more specifically with doing this podcast mm-hmm. and now I'm in this weird place of having to learn how to market for the first time and you know not I, I, I 
I've been worried about bothering people and, you know, yeah. not posting too much and whatnot. But I, I was just, I was given the advice to just, you can't care because yeah. people don't like you. They'll unfollow you and they, you know, then, and that's that. Yep. Right. But I think it's because before recently I was treating Instagram I wasn't treating Instagram like a tool uh, for, you know, for my business in the future. I was treating it kind of just like as a fun thing. And so if that's the case, then yeah, I think then it would make sense as to why I'd be worried to post certain things because then it's just your friends and you don't want to bug your friends sort of mm -hmm. thing. Right. But, yeah. but I mean, and then on the flip side, if they're your friends then they'll be supportive of you, you know, and yeah, totally, you know, but <laughs> actually it's uh, after, since doing this, I've, I've kind of learned learned who my real friends are in the last year and a bit since getting cricket people that have in genuinely you know asked me how I've been doing and you know asking me what cricket is and or just you know taking or or they're taking a moment to like or be supportive you know did you find that when you started well, I think to you're doing great Thanks, Peter. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I really appreciate you being here right now. So it's so weird when you, so Peter had texting me about coming on here and I honestly, you've been on the top of my list for so long, but I've just been so nervous and you, you taught me a lesson of never. To ask me to be on your podcast? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's I weird. I Well, it's because I, it th it's that weird. I see, this is what I mean about people pleasing and not yeah. wanting to rub people the wrong way. And I have this like weird, um, nervousness about not wanting to bother people or not wanting to ask people for something. And I, and Johnny from Cricket has been telling me I got to get over that because yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's just, it's not going to help me in terms of making this more successful. If I'm, you know, if I'm worried about that, I can't yeah. be. Yeah. So anyways, most you people me aren't bothered. Most people actually like, I, I went through this very similar thing when I was really young as a director, because you would have to like, email people and be like, will you meet with me? Will you give me advice? Will you look at my reel? Right. And whenever they didn't get back to me, I would be like, oh, they just don't like my reel. They yeah. think I'm annoying. Yeah. I don't want to follow up. And I was really scared to do that. And then I got over it. And then now having been on the flip side, I'm honestly like most of the times I'm just like, sure. I don't even think twice about it at all. Really? Yeah. Because people ask you things all the time. I ask people things all the time. Hmm. And then the idea is very simple, which is that like, whatever you ask of somebody, it's their prerogative to say yes or no. Right. Right. That's right. not on you. Right. Yeah. Cause they have to live with their own decisions. Right. Right. So if I was too busy, I wouldn't get annoyed. I would just say, I can't. Right. 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 But I, that, that, and that's, that's sort of like the way of thinking about how to bother people, I suppose, mm -hmm. if you want to call it that, <laughs> or just how to ask people things. Well, that's, that's a thing. And I've also been working on being a more like assertive because I have a hard time saying, no, it's, uh, it's obvious, you know, like yeah. that's, that, that, that would also be in line with me. Right. So, yeah. um, but another thing I wanted to say is I have a friend named Tony who actually works in this office. He has another business and he has been constantly saying to me, he's like, don't be afraid to ask people for help because genuinely you generally people want to help you yeah. people want to help other people but no one usually asks them for help yeah yeah and so yeah he says all the time you know he has a very very successful business and yeah. you know he's 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 always traveling and he, he does really well for himself and no one ever asks him for help and so he he said you know when the few people do he's like yeah i'm like we'll yeah. help them you know it, and it's true and uh, yeah. i will tell you the one funny anecdote is that the people who don't worry about bothering people are generally the ones who are the most fucking annoying. <laughs> They're like, they are fucking it's relentless. Me. But the people who do actually like think about being considered and stuff. Yeah. If you 
like think that you're being considerate to somebody else and you're really, really thinking about like how to approach them, mm-hmm. it probably means you're not going to bother them. If you literally right. just like, on the other hand, if you just like spam people every day without another thought, you're probably fucking annoying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's yeah. like sort of you're the right. difference. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. And also if you're not really like creating a relationship, right? Then yeah. Is it, yeah. Then yeah. it's uh, annoying. All right. So moving on, I'm a little curious. So I don't think we've ever talked about this before, but I'm curious to know, were you ever brought up in any kind of religion or do you have any, do you, are you, would you consider yourself spiritual at all? Curious. No, not at all. Uh, not really. No. <laughs> okay. I mean, I was brought up pretty atheist. Okay. Um, my parents are both scientists. My dad is no way. That's cool. Incredibly uh, rational. Well, no wonder they wanted you to yeah. do better always. Yeah. <laughs> there was a scientist. Um, Holy moly. My aunt is a Baptist now, and she's very into religion. Oh. And I understand it because it made her. It gave her a sense of community and she's a lot happier as a person Hmm. but there are some serious flaws to it like she doesn't like gay people and can't explain why so i'm okay with it in the sense that like it's basically the same thing as joining like a rec softball league where you can get together every sunday or saturday with a bunch of people that you know right and then they will like you and then you will have a good time right right because i think a lot of actually where this comes from is this idea of wanting camaraderie or to fulfill a natural need to be sociable i think yeah i think that's and and then on the other flip side it gives them some semblance of stability for the future right and it gives them some sort of um spirituality more so giving a comfort to the idea that we're very mortal and our lives perhaps might be very meaningless. Right. In the sense, in the grand scheme of things. Hmm. Right. But it's actually just a mind shift into like what you find meaningful and at least understanding that like, you know, the time you spend with friends and loved ones is actually should be cherished Hmm. and what you do with your time should be cherished and the time that you're given should be cherished. Hmm. All that's true. But you don't need to be spiritual. You can actually be very rational and scientific and a, a bit of a nihilist. For ex- like, That's what I really right. like, nihilism, yeah. which is that everything is totally fucking meaningless. Or <laughs> existentialism, sorry. <laughs> nihilism like being <laughs> everything's totally fucking meaningless. Uh, and so it really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, the funny thing is, is like, okay, let's go back 100 years. Okay. Can you think of anybody who was alive? A hundred years ago. Yeah. Uh, n- n- no. Can you think of my any- great grandmother? <laughs> right. And the most significant <laughs> things that are happening to people right now, like let's whether somebody is going through a breakup or having anxiety about sending an email yeah. or whatever else. Can you remotely even recall a hundred years ago what any of those feelings might have been or how people might have felt then? Not really. No, no. Like it doesn't add up to anything at all. Right. It really doesn't. No. And even the grand stories of people that we have. Like, you know, F. Scott Fitzgerald, the grand score story of F. F. Scott Fitzgerald is that like he thought he was a failure until he died. Right. Because right. the yeah. Great Gatsby didn't get big until after. Yes, I didn't. I did know that. Like, yeah. that's obviously very painful, but we don't feel his pain anymore. Right. right? Yeah. And so the fact that he thinks is a failure is only exists in his own mind right. and only exists in his own mind. And so it's all totally fucking meaningless. <laughs> and so, you know, 
that to me is like what I like about spirituality. <laughs> that's like my own form of spirituality. But you know what? That is a f- that's still a form, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The word spirituality is uh, yeah, it's interpreted differently by each person. But I yeah, I, I like so for example, a couple of people at my office, they there's there's someone who's catholic but there's also someone who's similar to you but he he doesn't play with angel cards or go to psychics or you know practice any kind of religion he just he goes within himself and Mm -hmm. he reflects on you know what brings him joy and you know he i think it's a little similar to yeah but to you but i think that is a form of spirituality i think that's just your own you know but there's no spirit involved (laughs) it's it's basically spirituality but there's no real spirit involved yeah um it's uh, yeah like you don't believe in a higher source or anything yeah no i don't believe in a higher source but i do believe that we are run by like forces outside of our own knowledge because it's already true everything is run by your biology and your genetics right huh so like you know i and it you know it's one of those things where everyone has these like needs but your body is trying to push you in the right direction like Mm -hmm. Anxiety exists to push you into doing better because it's a survival mechanism. Right. Right. So it's trying to push you into the action. So like I think, I mean, anxiety is obviously a big issue in our day, but I think part Mm -hmm. of getting over anxiety is actually conditioning yourself to just being able to move and do something. Right. So, I don't know. Don't take, I'm not a mental health professional, so please (laughs) not take this. I mean, as I t- real I talk advice. about that all the time is that I, I really do think a lot of anxiety and depression in today's day and age is created from us not pushing ourselves, mm-hmm. not going through the struggle. And I don't know if it was my last podcast, but though maybe the one before I was talking about the, the saying, the struggle is real. Struggle <laughs> and, is real. And it is real. real. And, yeah. and it's, I, it's funny the way that we say it and then we, we roll our eyes and we get annoyed at it. But I think it's in the embracing of the struggle mm-hmm. that you find a little bit more comfort and joy in life. Yeah. You know? And it's, it's just, it's funny that the way that society has portrayed it, but I think possibly because we don't embrace it and because we don't allow ourselves to struggle a little bit more now and we don't want to struggle at all we have this idea of retirement at 60 being on a beach with a martini and like that's the joyful life yeah i don't think that like anyone gets there and and that's all they do and that and and they feel fulfilled i think maybe they do that for a month and then yeah they're like all right i gotta learn something new very quickly right because everybody because i think it's a human need to struggle you need to learn or and to move yourself forward and grow you know And so, um, yeah, it's interesting. I, I think that's what causes a lot of anxiety and depression today is when people aren't totally struggling. Uh, and, and it doesn't help it. that, like, generally, um, I don't think this society is built properly for mm. humanity even. Right. Like, the idea of the nine-to-five job in an office every single day yeah. makes absolutely no sense in terms of evolutionary terms. Right. So we've exchanged the idea of, like, we might not have any food tomorrow, for security but then everyone works together in this like societal uh, form Mm. like for example you know we all work together uh somebody in china gets paid like 25 cents an hour to work 13 hours a day building an iphone Right. right and so that's the struggle but like at the same time you know i don't think our bodies are necessarily built for it because like we're evolved from apes we're mm. evolved from things that used to spend most of our time socializing mm. and just kind of like hunting stuff mm-hmm. and like playing games, not really doing that much. Mm. Right. And so I think actually we're more built to be doing that than anything else. Yeah. But 
um, it's interesting that we've got this constant drive because it kind of helped us as a species conquer the world yeah. in its own way. Yeah, interesting. It's, yeah. Um, I've totally gotten off topic. No, it's okay. I was it's like okay. in the middle of that, I'm like, wait, I what I like am I where saying? we're going with this though because I want to tell you something. I, I took a class, I don't know if you know this, I, at um, the University of Toronto. Mm-hmm. It was called The Psychology of Relationships. And I'm um, talking about human interaction. And in the hunter-gatherer stage, the men would go off and they would hunt and they, they would provide for their families. And the females, they would generally have the kids and they would all be one and they would be sociable and they would be together. And the roles were very specific. Yeah. And um, people knew their part. They knew what they had to do. And they, they I think... Up until the last, I don't know, maybe 60 years, I think like even you're seeing in relationships that there, there aren't specific roles for anyone every, anymore. Mm-hmm. And now the idea in society is that everyone should be everything. Women should be the, the uh, they, they should be the providers and they should be taking care of their kids. Yeah. You know, and, and I think maybe also it's an, it's natural for us to have these specific roles yeah. and possibly I might be wrong, but possibly not having those very specific roles for each gender may be the reason why we might have some anxiety, sure. some depression. Cause we don't, it's cause it's like a natural thing. Yeah. So, yeah. It's just something that we talked about in, in the class and um, I've just been chewing on that for a while. And I, that's I think, good. you know, it's po- it's, I like that they're possible, still discussing yeah. that cause that's yeah. very controversial to talk about outside yeah. of an academic setting. Yeah. Um, not saying that, you know, obviously one is right over the other. Yeah. Like who knows. Right. Yeah. But it's, it's just, it's just interesting. I yeah. don't know. I think, you know, I think a l- the reason why a lot of religion and spirituality is necessary and even mm. like self-help books mm. and think about how, uh, popular like eat, pray, love was. Oh yeah. It's okay. cause there's no really, there's no real roadmap for anything. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of what these things do is provide some sort of like roadmap for our life, whether it's morally, right. whether it's sort of like, how do we seek some sort of fulfillment? And the truth of the matter is, is we never really get there. You know, like I think we kind of get through these moments which were like happy and then that was good and that was good. Mm-hmm. Now it kind of sucks and then this is hard, but it, it helps us get through it. Right. Mm. Cause we just need to actually get through it until we're dead. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and at the very least, like if people kind of feel like that they're doing the right thing, then I think they're at least trying to go towards something. Mm. Um, and then without those things, I think that's where it gets really easy for people to become very despairing. Right. Um, so I don't, I, I don't see anything wrong with like spirituality if it's well guided or religion, if it's well guided. Right. Cause I think it serves a very, very specific human purpose. Right. And I think that purpose is uh, universal to everybody. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I believe in like the everything's meaningless and then so you can go do, <laughs> whatever but be a good person about it yeah yeah uh, be a good and person, then other people really. are like okay well i'm doing the work of god by for example going to africa to be a missionary right which is fine and dandy too until they convert them to christianity but that's <laughs> never mind <laughs> hilarious i love it okay so okay so you wouldn't consider yourself spiritual okay so what what brings you peace if you if so you find that you've 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 grown up and you didn't have any religious beliefs or anything and 
you know, because like we were saying, people tend to lean towards those things because it, it helps them just yeah. embrace life because it's hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like what what helps you get through that then? Like what's do you have uh, the suffering stuff? Mm-hmm. Um, I think most of the really difficult stuff in my life is already like a, a large percent of it is been harder in my teenagehood as it is now Mm -hmm. um like my parents got divorced when i was in high school um and there was a number of other things that happened too Uh, oh also i had like horrendous acne like the worst acne on the planet um sucks so i think i still have adult acne (laughs) oh yeah i mean a lot of people do Uh, i have like every once in a while i get like a like a white head just on my chin especially it depends on what i eat too yep that's that's what it is for me it's it's crazy because it's like Mm -hmm. i was on my bike ride here thinking about it and that was like really really hard those were really Mm. really hard years they're much harder than they are now well i mean especially if you're a kid and then everyone's really judgy at that time i mean they're judgy throughout your whole life but like as a kid kids are can be harsh yeah i mean you're just getting into dating and you're you're learning about your body and like you know and so it's it's a weird awkward stage yeah it's horrible and i was like too uh embarrassed and too like to, to even consider dating, right? Because I was right. like, A, I didn't like the way that my acne was. Mm-hmm. B, I had all sorts of, like, issues at home. Right. And then C, like, I always kind of grew up like a weird outsider. And so the, even the thought of dating seemed, like, very strange to me. Like, mm-hmm. it seems odd to say this, but for almost all of high school, like, the idea of, like, having somebody find you attractive enough to actually want to date you mm. was... Um, uh, a very foreign concept. It was like, oh, okay, well, like, you know, <laughs> I suppose part of it is to the, like, you know, I'll just work on my work stuff and then try to get really good at that. And then, and then we'll see where it goes, right? There's at least other goals to focus on. Right. Um, and it's funny, my buddy who's a doctor said the same thing. So one of his nurses, my, my friend, Dr. Tack, who is... Uh, Dr. Tack. Zare <laughs> Tack. He's one of my <laughs> closest friends nice. that I've known for a long time. Uh, we met in like grade eight. He's Pakistani, uh, very very funny, cool guy. And one of his nurses asked, "Is like, okay, I have I have kids now. How do we raise our children so that they can become as successful as you, Doctor Tack?" <laughs> and and Doctor Tack Azair was like, um, "When did you have your first house party and your first drink?" And she was like, "Uh, like thirteen. And he was like. 18 when did you make out with somebody for the first time and they were like i don't know like 14 and he's like 17 and when did you do this and so he was like i spent most of my time when you guys were like going to smoke pot and hanging out and all that stuff not that there's like anything wrong with it but like his time was spent studying and doing well in school and then studying for med school so, like, there is no great secret to success. Right. Right? The, it's actually very plainly obvious. <laughs> um, and you trade one thing or another. And so, like, even looking back, you know, some people are bitter about the fact that they're single uh, for, like, X amount of periods or don't have this experience in X amount of time. Right. And then other people are like, well, that was the compromise that was necessary to actually you know, get to, get to where they are. Right. Not to say that like a balance isn't totally 
possible. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, with teenagers, it tends to be one or the other. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, that's actually my exact story. I didn't start dating until I was 17. Yeah. And even then like that, that's actually what threw me off a little from I, I, cause I left acting for three, four years cause I got severely depressed, but it's funny cause I had something where I had, you know, I'd focused all of my entire life on singing, acting and competitive dancing. And then I quit. And then that's when I got depressed and anxious. Yeah. So it's interesting, but any, yeah, same. I, I think, yeah, because I was, I was so focused on that. I had to give up a lot of my childhood. I went to three house parties in my entire high school experience. Nah, <laughs> yeah. But, funny. but I do think that maybe that's why I have been able to get to a different like mental space and, and get to a different place, you know, in my life and not necessarily faster. It's just that I've been doing it longer. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I, yeah. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. I mean, totally. Uh, when, you know, I was going to go on tour with Sunreal, it came as a shock to everybody. And they're yeah, like, do I you was even genuinely shocked. Ha- yeah. Do you even play? I didn't even know you played. Well, yeah. One of my <laughs> buddies was like, are you even good enough to play on tour? And I was like, first of all, <laughs> you don't actually have to be very good to play guitar on stage. Blink-182 fucking sucks at really? guitar. That's There's cool. like a lot of bad <laughs> guitarists playing well or playing on stage and doing grand tours. Huh. Um, but yeah, secondly, like the only thing I did in high school outside of like studying and playing piano and I hung out with my friends every once in a while. Like it's not that I was a complete shut in, right? Like right. I had friends. Yeah. I'm not saying that. Um, was I played a ton of guitar um, and it really helped me through a lot of things. And so I, I've always played a lot and then it just, who knew that it would have come back? Mm-hmm. right but that's sort of like what you get it's like any sort of skill if you can actually kind of like get good at it you never know where it's going to take you right and everything is applicable even the idea of like knowing music makes music videos easier because you know rhythm and structure right and so with editing it works out a lot easier too and they you actually just even watched a lot of music videos throughout your life yeah you, music, you gotta love right? video flow from the 90s yeah right? <laughs> oh none of your God. readers or listeners are gonna know what that is <laughs> yeah they yeah they will <laughs> i'm about i'm 28 i think i have you know i think the majority of people that listen are my oh, okay. age maybe possibly yeah. i don't know let's <laughs> see oh hey there guys it is spin code time for all of my cricket fam out there here is the namaste spin code five four six nine five one and if you are not a Cricket Live player and you don't know what a spin code is all about, cricket.com slash how is where you can go and find all about the live game show that I host every day, Monday to Friday, <laughs> and work at full time. It's pretty fun. And uh, I think you would like it. You can win free money. I mean, who doesn't like that? Am I right, ladies and gents? Oh, and also, if you do redeem this spin code, you will notice that, well, the wheel is in my favorite color, pink. <laughs> and I would love if you would screenshot showing me that you've redeemed it and uh, send me a tweet. You can send it to me at Melissa Malati or Instagram me once again at Melissa Malati. Either or works. It would just be nice to know who listened along and then redeemed it. All right, Sue. So Next question. Mm. With all of the artists that you have worked with throughout your career, is there one that you can think of that really inspired you with their creative process? Uh, 
you know what? Actually, I feel a very, very. I've never met Avicii, but I've always really liked him. I we really like worked Avicii. on his projects for a good, and we worked with his team for like a good six months. Cool. And um, his death hit me in a very weird, hard way. Even yeah. though I never met him, huh. but in a way, I kind of like oh, part of my career to his team. I loved the song that was at at the height of like I think EDM's burgeoning popularity as well. Mm-hmm. And I saw a documentary of his work ethic and it's incredible. Hmm. Um and having not even known him personally, I I find it really really interesting. But I had like seen him live before I even started working on that stuff. Okay. Um so I was already a fan. Um but yeah, it I I really respected what he did. And the weird thing is, is like, I completely understand why Avicii killed himself. Like, I totally get it. Um, I understand the anxieties that he faced about Mm. his career because I think he was basically like a kid who was discovered and launched to stardom and then had so much pressure, but hadn't really become his own person, never really developed anything like of his own personality. Mm never found value for himself outside of his music, right? And so music was everything, and then he had an insane touring schedule, and then he, like, lost himself to, like, alcohol and parties and all that stuff. Right. And so I think that's the danger of, like, not... Um, how do I put it? It's the danger of, like, putting everything you have into one basket, which is, like, my value is just music. Right. Right. So I I mean I this is all t- totally hypothetical but mm. this is what I get from it um and having like worked with his manager who's very very hard he's very hard on people um and pushes people really really difficultly mm. like I suffered that same sort of anxiety too right cuz the 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 process was one of almost like fear as like if this isn't good enough then this is going to be a problem right right so I think it that to me is sort of like the creative process that I can most relate to because I kind of understand it. And I really respect him for kind of like doing what he did. And I, I, I wish, you know, it almost would have worked out better if he got big at the age of 28. Right. After he'd become a, another a real person. But who knows? I mean, I don't know why any of this happens to anybody. I'm And obviously I'm taking my own experiences and then putting it on to to the whole thing um but yeah that's that's the process that i find the the most interesting okay interesting i was watching a interview with michael jackson last night Mm. oh the i don't know if you ever saw it the one with oprah yeah it was 1993 oh no it was a long time ago i think this was maybe his first interview since he was like a kid or something like that or, or his first like really expose interview Mm -hmm. and yeah he he talked about that how he was you know thrown in the spotlight and you know everybody just expects all these things from him and the music was just his life and he struggled a lot of his life I think you know trying to find his way and that's why he created his Neverland yeah you know was trying to always you know have have bring back the child in him because he missed a lot of that in that development and yeah but anyways, I, I was curious to ask you if there's someone that inspired maybe your creative process because he was uh, he was talking about in the interview how he's really inspired by um, I think it was Leonardo da Vinci or one of the oh, yeah. most 
beautiful creative artists in Italy, um, sure. painters, right? And so, um, yeah, I just is is there a so you so Avinci has has have they inspired a lot of your your creations or is there, is there an artist that is, has inspired one piece of work that you can think of that? Uh, oh done? yeah. No, I mean, I think for Avicii, I feel like a weird camaraderie to him Yeah. because of his struggles. Right. Um, and I feel like weirdly connected on an artistic level. Like again, not that we ever met, but it's sort of like I can see the path that he went down and in another alternate universe, right. if I had been more successful on a bigger scale, earlier in my career hmm. i could see myself going down that path that's I what see. i mean by that right. um in terms of actually like not now right <laughs> in terms of actual yeah no hopefully not but we'll see no um uh, so in terms of actual like creative inspiration uh stephen king is a really really big uh influence because of his book like mm -hmm. i think he was a big part of learning how to be creative and just slogging through it rather than like thinking that it has to be perfect or it has to be this or it has to be that. I think he's one of the few people who's been able to kind of give a good influence in the sense of like how to work rather than like, you know, I think everybody else talks about inspiration as like sparks of ideas, but he goes mm -hmm. sparks of ideas, but then slog through all of it. I see. Yeah. Um, cool. He's good. Uh, and then other writing processes too is sort of like, you know, I like Jesse's, Reyes's writing process. She wrote like 81 songs in four days. Oh, she like writes her songs. Days. I didn't know that. Yeah. 81 songs in four days. Yeah. And Shut so she up. has like a similar wow. thing to Stephen King, which is slog through it. And obviously not all of them are going to be released and not yeah. all of them are going to be good. Wow. But same with um, Green Day. Like when they made Nimrod, they cut that album down from like 88 songs. So yeah, it's, wow. uh, that's, you know, you just kind of curate the amount that you do. Right. Hmm. Do you believe in luck? Yes, I do. Ah, interesting. Um, Why? Uh, actually. Not that I don't, but I'm curious. No, this is actually really, really interesting and kind of defeatist, I suppose. Um, Wouldn't you say it's a bit spiritual to believe in luck? No, it's not spiritual <laughs> at all. It's uh, it's actually speaks more to the stupidity and randomness of the universe. Okay. So yeah. I think there was a study. Uh, so the study wanted to actually see how how much luck and timing played into people's successes. So they actually tracked a bunch of like students and they had looked at how successful they were in school and mm -hmm. then like basically did like a blind test. So they tried to equalize all the differences between them. Okay. Uh, and then it turns out that the biggest factor that everything was just so random that success was mostly due to luck and timing. Hmm. And and it it just shows time and time again that like a lot of successful people just out of sheer luck and timing can kind of fall into things. Hmm. Um, and and I can say that even in my own experience where when music videos were not really like a big thing in the early 2000s, a lot of the directors there really struggled to make good videos. Hmm. And I just happened to come up in a time when music videos were getting creative again. And right. the labels were allowing to do it because YouTube was coming up. Right. So the luck and the timing of that was totally fine. Right. A lot of people in Toronto, when commercials were in their heyday, fell into just a massive pile of money. Hmm. And they like lived off of that for like 
15 years because the budgets were so high and the industry was so rife and fat. Right. So that's what I mean by like luck and timing. Hmm. Um, it's just so random. Sometimes it just hits. And even like people who were making like electronic beats never expected EDM to be what it was. Hmm. Like the Swedish house mafia or David Guetta would have done what they did forever. Mm-hmm. And Avicii would have just like made what he did forever because he loved it. But timing so happens with music that they catapulted mm-hmm. and nobody expected it at all. So right. I do believe in luck in a weird way. Okay. Um, and even the way that I got started in the industry was kind of like weirdly lucky too. So. And, and so then my second question would be, do you believe in the law of attraction? Oh, this came up the other day. Um, because the law of attraction to me, right. which is what you think. Yeah. So, well, I mean, there's, there's a lot to it, but if you, so what you think about and feel about, right. Yeah. Cause it's not just about just thinking a positive thought and then it manifests. But if you f- like you, you, you're feeling it every single day, you're, you're, you're embodying what yeah. you want to be and you're, you're, you're leading your, your, how do I put this walking in the direction of where you want to go sure. blindly possibly. Yeah. And then the essentially that's when it comes into play. Now I think that it's similar to luck, right? Yeah. Where, where what you were just saying, how some people, the doors just open for them, but essentially the law of attraction, you know, if you, if you are constantly thinking and feeling like where you want to be, the idea is that you will eventually be led to the place that will, the door will be open for you and you'll be given. Uh, yes and no. Okay. For two points. Okay. Uh, a, because it sounds an awful, like the, an awful lot like the secret. Do you remember the secret? Well, yeah, that's what they teach in it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, it's everywhere now, but the secret was kind of the mother of the idea. Right. Yeah. Uh, I thought the in secret was kind of like media. half insane. Cause it was like all these people were basically like, I want to believe that I'm going to win the lottery. Right. And so they bought lottery tickets every day, <laughs> yes. which A, is going to increase your chances of winning the lottery, but you're probably not going to win the lottery. Yeah, but that, that's the <laughs> dan- that was the danger, and that still is the danger of, yeah. of these idea books because not everyone is going to understand what it means. Not yeah. everyone's going to take it for what it is. And I, I even say to people, you know, when I first discovered the secret, I bought an audiobook and I literally listened to it for two months, every single day, yeah. trying to figure out what I was missing. It took me two months to really understand what the heck they're talking about. Yeah. Because it's just, it's actually just not very, um, I, I don't know. I just don't think they do a good job of explaining like how, what you, mm. how, how you, how you need to be in life. Yeah. Like, you generally want to be a little bit more luckier. Yeah. You know? No, 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 no. So. I mean, I, so I, I think it's, uh, I both don't believe in it, but agree, believe in it at the same time because okay. there are two sides of the same sort to a degree. Um, if you are like four foot, whatever, mm-hmm. but then you suddenly believe that you're going to play in the NBA and then you just keep believing it, no matter how hard you practice, yeah. it's probably not going to happen. For sure, right? for sure. And then that's There's the limits. same with the lottery thing. Yeah. yeah, and so I for think sure. if you can be Agreed. realistic about it, the actual law of attraction, which I think makes sense and is true, mm-hmm. in and it's scientifically proven, um, it actually has to do with uh, resilience, I think, more than anything, mm-hmm. which is a psychological term for people who can fail many times and then keep going. Right. Right. So people with low resiliences and I've known people like this fail once and then they give up. Right. I right? do know people like that. too. Um, yeah. uh, most of my success in the film industry, I think, is because I just didn't stop. Everyone yeah. I know who kept doing film work 
and was like relatively normal and sane enough to meet people and be like a genuine person <laughs> yeah that goes a long way right. and they all became successful in film right i can't think of somebody who stayed in it and is not actually making a living right by the age of 30 right and whether or not they're making movies that go play in thousands of theaters or not is one thing right some people work in smaller capacities some people don't um as a as a good example my friend from high school like we made stupid movies together on mini dv she's now the director of development over at alibi entertainment cool because she just mm. stayed in it mm. and she even went to a program that like has no film graduates because it's just a film theory program you don't do anything with that she had to go find a job and put herself out there and do all these things right and so i think the idea is that if you just like work at it like what the law of attraction at least teaches you is that you can believe in it long enough that you'll continue putting work into it, which I think is very, very important. Because if you actually don't believe in what it is that you're doing, there's no reason for you to actually do it. Right. Right. The only reason that I'm putting together a film is because I believe I could make a good film that's worthy of making mm -hmm. and that people will like it. And at the very least that it's worth making. And if I didn't right. believe that, why should I even wake up tomorrow and continue pursuing it? For sure. Right? And so at the very least, you can kind of create your own luck by putting yourself in the right position, right? So everything is like, if you're looking at the world as a football field and you can't see the quarterback and you're just running, you can kind of run to a general area where he might throw it and then maybe the ball will get thrown to you. Right. And that's about as like, that's about as, as, I think simple as it gets for me and every once in a while you get thrown a bone like maybe every couple of years or something you get thrown right. a nice bone right that's right. yeah that's to me yeah. is like that's I what agree. i like about the law of attraction yeah i i definitely think that uh, a lot of people also forget that there's still boundaries of, yeah. of the world yeah you know so the law of attraction i believe in it i do think that there there are boundaries within it yeah for sure uh, someone that's four foot seven is never going to be an nba player unless well actually maybe then i think muggsy bogues like, might have been like five foot three okay so it's okay close. So it's it is kind of possible i mean there you i mean it's not not meaning you can't be a good basketball player you just might not be in you yeah. know on a team competing against with other really tall people it's yeah just, you know uh, and to be very honest too like um the weird thing is is like you actually where you think you're gonna end up going if you keep working at it isn't generally where you end up going oh uh, yes the i was skills gonna ask that you, you get yeah bring you somewhere else yeah how right? often have you thought you were gonna be going somewhere and then you're taking down a completely different path which i mean probably i think most often most of the time people get brought down a path that's even better than what they thought uh yeah i mean i certainly hope so <laughs> now, but it, it, it is true, though, that like um, I don't think anyone ever really comes to where they imagine themselves being right. like, that just doesn't happen. But you kind of you kind of get in the right place. Right. You generally get in the right place. Somehow. Yeah. in the same ballpark. I yeah. Would say. You know, it's crazy, yeah. actually. So when I was in high school, you know, remember those emails, emails, questionnaires, you get like a whole group of people and then there'd be like. 40 questions and then everyone in that thread would would answer them yeah yeah there was one where it was like setting life goals and where you wanted to be and i remembered this one for a long time because oh. i wanted to do 
a music video by the time I was 21 because I'm modeling my career after like um, David Fincher or okay. Ridley Scott and yeah. how they how they got there. <laughs> so I wanted to do a music video by the time I was like 21. I wanted to do a commercial by the time I was 23. And then I wanted to do a feature film by the time I was 30. Right. And then by the time I got to 30, I was like, oh, I didn't actually really hit any of my goals. I was late on everything. But then I actually really thought about it and I wasn't because I did this really shitty indie music video, but it still played oh. by the time I was 21. Right. By the time I was 23, I had done a spec commercial that had won a contest and made us like $24,000 hmm. and it played on YouTube. So that happened as well. And then by the time I was 30, I had been given a story credit on a feature film, even though I didn't oh, direct it. Wow. So all of those huh. things actually like weirdly happened. So like the goals are correct hmm. if I didn't specify them. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. So but they weren't the ones that I originally thought of. Right. So you didn't originally foreshadow it to be in the way that it ended up coming about. Yeah. But but you, you yeah. always work towards you it and in a weird it. way. I didn't even realize until later that it had it, it had been true. Uh, don't you love Strange, that? right? Yeah. I love when I love when things like that happen. I'm going to tell you a quick story about um, I, like I have a vision board at home. Do you ever have you ever? No, I've never heard of a vision board. Oh, you've never heard of it? No, I don't know what that oh, is. Oh, so cool. <laughs> OK, so basically, I mean, it kind of is in the world of the law of attraction. So the idea is is to um, find a visual um, picture or some or something or draw or whatever you like of where you want to be and or, or things you want to have in your life and so I've done I used to do this I've been doing this for maybe like 10 years and it just it I I, I found it very effective because I it would you know remind me of what I'm working towards and you know and it was just I don't know it was it was a nice reminder to have in my mm. room so anyways on my vision board I had a picture of LA and I really wanted to make it go to go back to California. I yeah. hadn't, hadn't been there in a long time. And I just really wanted to go back. And so um, I had a picture in there. And then later on this summer, I ended up going. And so I was like, yay, ticked it off. Like I went to California. But the weird thing is, is when I was there, um, do you know the Man's Chinese Theater? Okay. Mm -hmm. And um, you know how there's like that that weird architecture like arch where you can like look through there's a bridge and you can look through and see the Hollywood sign oh yeah 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 okay so and there's a, a Johnny Rockets <laughs> uh, <laughs> kind of like it's so. yeah it's a, it's facing it so I um, was I went to lunch with my friend when I was there and we went in the Johnny Rockets and in, in sorry it was dinner time whatever and it yeah. got dark outside and I was looking at this structure and I went oh that's really pretty and I took a picture of it and uh, I had forgotten and I didn't even associate it with the picture that I had on my vision board, which is an exact exact replica yeah. of what I had taken. Crazy. Yeah. And it like not the same like at nighttime. Yeah. The same like it was just it was wild at the same angle. Yeah. It was wild. Yeah. Wow, it blew my mind. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I have a lot of like weird stories around my vision boards of like things like that. But that that one really blew my mind because in the moment I didn't realize I was taking that picture because yeah. I loved it from my vision board. I just I thought, oh, like that's a pretty view. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, that's awesome. It's wild. I mean, that 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 does goes to go to show you that like you know putting your mind to something is really really key. Oh, I think powerful, right? Yeah, there is a lot of people who might like scoff at it, um, but if you can actually just sort of like visualize things, it's mm -hmm. actually a really key 
to success. Yeah. I guess DJ Khaled. Is I that what know. he says? Yeah. I, well, um, I think everybody, and honestly, so many people, even the Kardashians, they talk about it. Yeah. You know? So I think it's. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't, I like the Kardashians. I'm like, I don't know what they do with their actual time. Yeah. But I think even, uh, it's the only way that you can keep going. Right. right. If you can't at least visualize succeeding what you're doing, then I think that's, it's, it's hard. Well, it's like whatever, whatever will help you get to where you want to go right yeah like some people need a religious practice you 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 need your whatever what, nihilism what you do. existentialism i need my south to say i need my jp south <laughs> exactly well well i mean i know you read a lot so that's mm-hmm. i think that's what you do to grow your see let's find another word for your spiritualism let's find a word for that there's there's must be something yeah uh, I mean, yeah, I, there's, the, yeah, there's I don't know what be, it is. Yeah. It's basically like self-help, right? Because it's right. like the shit that I would read would probably be under like philosophy and self-help. Right. Right. Because I've, uh, I like Mark Manson. I thought mm-hmm. The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck was really well yeah, written. Half the book, book was yeah. like, I was like rolling my eyes, but then the other half of the book was really quite good. Right. Uh, and I like Mark Manson. He writes a lot of really interesting blog posts. Oh. One of them, like his, some of his most popular ones, I was actually just reading the other day. It was like six healthy, uh, no, six habits in a relationship that people think are healthy, but are actually really toxic. Ooh, and I want to read the other that. one, which is six toxic or six <laughs> things that people think are toxic, but are actually really healthy. So huh. he has a very, a very good amount of insight. And it's obvious with a lot of these people that like they make money doing it. Mm-hmm. But I think Mark Manson is actually somebody who really thinks about it and is very genuinely good at self-reflection right. and studying other people. And he's Self-reflection. Yeah. I mean, that's what we can really call it. Self-reflection. Yeah, right. self-reflection. Narcissism. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Great. Narcissism. Great. I practice narcissism, guys. But I mean, just everybody has their thing that gets them through life. Yeah, right? it's true. You know, and I think it's, you know, this is what Namaste is all about is I, I'm intrigued as to finding out what everyone's thing is. Yeah. Self-reflection you know? is good. And also having like, I think, uh, people who are good to help you with self-reflection. One of my best friends is a psychologist and she's okay. really amazing with communication and she's mm-hmm. very amazing with insight. And I... I wish everyone had somebody like that. Ask her if she needs another friend. <laughs> <laughs> she lives in Amsterdam, actually. No, yeah. too far. I but know. I mean, we could Skype. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> actually, I um, I it's funny that you should bring that that up because my one of my friends just posted that she started going to a psychologist and he's been really helping her work through a lot of stuff. And um, I went to a cognitive behavioral specialist a couple years ago, and that's what really got me to overcoming a lot of my anxiety mm-hmm. and my social my social anxiety specifically and anyways i've just been thinking recently i want to go to someone again oh yeah just to like you know get yeah. my thoughts on just out there you know sure. and have someone bounce it off of and uh, i guess i mean that's what i've been doing on namaste is just really telling you know being open but there's only so much open i can be yeah <laughs> no i mean that's it's yeah. good i think i think this kind of stuff is really important because yeah. um you know, everyone's dealing with stuff, and I think a lot of people don't really want to talk about it. Yeah. Um, I was somewhere. I was on a panel for the CSAs, and it was like 8 a.m., and I started talking about something really serious. And somebody was like, man, you really just, like, jump into things, right? Like, I haven't even had coffee, and you just jumped into this topic. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I don't really, like, want to 
what are we going to talk about? Yeah. It's hot today. It's been hot for like five days. You know what I mean? And so like, I just, I have a very, very low tolerance for like small talk. Yeah. I find it really trying. Oh, dude, I'm exactly oh, the same, the man. Yeah, I know everyone. I think I think people know this about me that it's it's uh, hard for me to sit down and have a just a really I don't what would you call it surface level conversation. Yeah. I I'm just like straight to the core and like I'm I ask you questions when you're telling me things about your life and I just, you know, I want to get deeper. Yeah, it's good. Cuz I, I mean, just, I wish yeah. more people were like that. Yeah. Sometimes I meet people and I'm like Wow, they were like, I remember one time I was just talking to these people that I just met and they were not that like uh, friendly and they weren't that open. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, am I just really dull? (laughs) Uh, And I was like, God, I must have been really boring in that conversation. (laughs) But then it occurred to me that I was like, maybe they just really didn't want to talk about anything other than surface things, which kind of is... uh, shitty right maybe they just don't even like some people don't even have enough insight to know what they're feeling you know what often i think that's really what it is i think it's a those those specific people i think they're just not as self-reflective and aware yeah i think that's more what it is it's well it is weird to people that like us right because we imagine constantly in our brains thinking and analyzing life so yeah i mean imagine you just feel like you feel something and you don't know why and you can't oh, even yeah. put it into words. Yeah. I guess that's the traditional like role for men, right? They can't put what they're feeling into <laughs> words. I don't know. I'm like that too. <laughs> uh, well, no, I think but that is true. much better. I yeah. think that's, I if, think if yeah. that was ever the case, I always, yeah. I mean, obviously you're doing a lot of self-reflection. I think you've been very communicative about a lot of like ideas. Right. So I would say that like, I don't think you're in that group of people who oh no 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 i wouldn't no no no. i definitely wouldn't say that but i i I just mean that i've i've hung around or i've had friends oh yeah sure they're more yeah yeah. i mean and i think some people don't think that they have a right to express what they feel either or they feel like that they are you know being soft or that they're not being like a man for example or yeah Digging into deep. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe we should say this for another conversation. Yeah, but, we'll but come on back that, on this. On the, the, that note, a lot of people. Uh, you know what? I'm not. We can talk about masculinity <laughs> and femininity. Yeah, super fun. interesting. All right. So uh, before you go, this is a new idea I'm bringing to the podcast yeah. as something fun. So I'm introducing. <laughs> I don't actually. I should call this section something. I'm gonna. I'm gonna come up with a fun name for this. But um, at the end of all my podcasts, now when I bring on someone, someone on the show, I want to pull a angel card or a tarot card for them. Just well, or get you to do it. Okay. And then we'll just like read what it says, just for fun. And okay. We'll, we'll see how it goes. I mean, funny enough, P- Peter has said that he's not spiritual at all. So we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, the last time I went to a tarot card reader i went with a friend of mine okay and we sat down and then she flips over card and goes you're in a relationship which i think is a very good cold read because a guy and a girl walk into a tarot card thing it's a good cold read but we're both single and we just go no and then you and then she goes you will be in a relationship (laughs) (laughs) i was like all right good save anyway okay <laughs> i've had i've actually had really cool experiences with psychics and okay. no that's horrible that's a that's a yeah. biggie right no, there it's a very very bad start <laughs> oh no no wonder okay well these are called oracle cards they're from this deck called wisdom of the hidden realms it sounds very fantastical and it's by colette baron reed and i've had a lot of people 
just, I don't know, talk by these cards saying how much they love them and how they've had great results. Uh -huh. And okay, so the idea is, so I've shuffled the cards already. And the idea is, is that if there's one that pops out, then that's essentially a message for you. You should go with it, but you should also pick a card as well. So okay. I've shuffled them already. And then you just sort of pick one that resonates with you. Okay, cool. Or actually, you know what? Or do you do you want to just read that, or do you do you want to ask a question? Wait, what do you mean? Okay, sorry, I didn't explain it. So, so when you're picking cards for yourself, you yeah. have to. You can either ask a question, or okay. you could just say, "Tell me what I need to know." So this is you picking this one is basically you just saying, "Tell me what I need to know," okay. or do you have a specific question you want to be answered? N no, tell me what I need to know. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So Peter picked the High Lord of Gratitude and Service, and it was facing up okay so it means selflessness so i'm gonna read okay cool what, <laughs> what it stands for okay so the high lord of gratitude and service has arrived to help you find your true purpose today feeling gratitude for each moment you experience and loving what is and what has been will remind you that every bre breath you take holds a deep and profound awareness through small actions and selfless service to another, you're automatically placed upon your highest path, whether you're immediately aware of it or not. The presence of this ally lets you know that you're on the correct path to fulfilling your desires. You're also notified that your actions of service and, and attitude of gratitude will yield riches beyond your wildest dreams as long as those riches aren't the goal you have in mind. Giving service will, with no thought of return is what's required of you today. This would also be a good time to write a list reminding yourself of all the things in your life and the world around you that you have been that you have to be grateful for. If your question refers to a relationship, just putting it out there, um, be gratitude. Uh, uh, let gratitude be your guide. Be thankful for all you learn from this person. Truly, there are no friends and no enemies, just teachers along life's journey. Be grateful for the laughter and even for the tears. The attitude of gratitude is a magnet for true love in all forms. Great. Gratitude's They're very good. They actually teach you in CBT yes. to write down three things that you're grateful for. Yes. And yeah. then that'll break you out of like whatever negative thoughts. The, a lot of actually, I think depression and anxiety is just constant negative thinking. Definitely. And so yeah. it's like training your brain to switch gears. Mm -hmm. So thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I really like these cards because they're very, they're quite positive. But um, one card actually did fall out of the deck. Mm. So I'm going to read this one as well. So okay. that's, yeah. So this oh, it's a sign. It's supposed to have a purpose as well. So this one is called the keeper of the scales and uh, it means fairness. So, okay. Yeah. Or possibly balance. How did I? Yeah. I fairness think it, and balance. I think it's that seems so similar. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> While you're searching for that, can, can I just say that I believe that life is inherently unfair? Totally. Yeah. Okay. It's, uh, now let's, let's move on and see what they say. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that is, I, I think I've pulled this card before and I believe that's what it's talking about. Well, it's called the keeper of the scales. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. So here we go. Uh, the law of harmony is enacted when the keeper of the scales comes to you as an ally. Uh, so this is the idea of, sorry, I should have also mentioned that um, they talk as if so, uh, as if these are people. Oh, so just okay. yeah, just it, or, or, but you can interpret it as a, as energy. Yeah, or okay. Just life. Okay. So um, align with her as the law states, making conscious choices that create balance in your life. When you do, you also magically align with the abundance of the universe and the powerful forces of synchronicity. 
This creates conditions and possibilities that lead to the fulfillment of your highest intentions. Harmony begins with the self and then resonates outward to others. You're in harmony with yourself when you nurture yourself with love, respect, and acceptance, always uh, fully taking responsibility for your actions. Only then can you be in harmony with others. This is because love is the central force that connects all of life and aligns you with like-minded others. Hmm. <laughs> Another message is restoration, uh, restoration, sorry, and the positive, fair resolution in all disputes, including those involving the legal system or other important exchanges. The keeper of the scales is a just and kind ally, always making sure balance is activated on your path. So I don't know if there's like a legal thing, but it's saying that if you're if you're working out legal things right now, balance will be stored. Cool. Oh man, I don't know. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> Namaste. Namaste. That's right. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening, man. This is this is probably my longest my longest interview yet, Peter. Oh wow, what are I, we at? I'm What's pretty excited. Um, well, it says 2,709. I don't know what that means. Oh, I frames. Th- sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's measures is measures yeah. so well, based on like what do you how many bpm are you at oh my gosh peter <laughs> you can't talk technical to me somebody helps me with this okay. uh, <laughs> that's fine that's no okay. i don't know i think I'll, that's I'll minutes i think that's seconds when I it think, comes out yeah but it uh, yeah a while uh, well we started at 245 ish so it's we're at 427 right now pm oh it's basically broken down so that each okay 120 beats per minute. So you're not talking to the microphone. They might not be able to heal you. Four per measure. Okay. So if you actually just times the four beats per measure, that's basically how long we have in minutes, I believe. Anyway, that's uh, ridiculous. (laughs) All right. Cool. Good to know. Well, thank you so much for being here. This was so fun. Of course. No, this was really cool. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed yourself. And I hope uh, you guys listening got something from this. I definitely learned. You know what? This is also another reason why I love um, just, I don't know, having conversations. And and this is why I I, I wanted to start Namaste is because like what the cards said, you know, everyone's placed in your life as a teacher mm-hmm. and you can learn something from everybody if you're open to it. Right. And yeah. so that would solve a lot of our global issues totally. if everyone at least learned from each other. Yeah. 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 And that's actually what namaste, namaste, like yeah. the actual word means. I honor you as you honor me. Yeah. Right. And, and vice versa, your, your oh, perspective. Cool. So I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, yes, I have a friend who got it tattooed and she told me that and I went, Oh, Cool. I love that word way more now. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I try to practice. If you like the Namaste podcast, please give it a five stars on iTunes if you haven't already. And also please share with someone that you know that may like listening to it so I can keep growing my community. <laughs> if you want to support the Namaste podcast, go to patreon.com slash just love by Melissa. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash just love by melissa so anyways thank you so much for listening guys and uh, don't forget the grass is always greenest where you are right now so remember it practice it and go slay at your goals you only have one life to live so make it great right peter mm-hmm. yeah all right love you guys so much namaste